Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Shots Fired Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Mark Rudlich. And I'm Kyle Schoberg. This episode today is brought to you by TACOPS. Go to SWATConference.org, get signed up for one of their many conferences. Kyle and I are attending all three this year. It is great training. You're really going to enjoy it, and they have an amazing instructors. Go to SWATConference.org. Guys, this past week, there was breaking news that came out of California in San Bernardino County. An individual by the name of Ari Young was found not guilty on charges of attempting to murder a police officer. This broke headlines and was news all over the country. And when you watch the video, it's quite shocking to think that this person would be found not guilty after he assaulted the police officer, stole her firearm, and then proceeded to shoot at her as she was running away. Many of you are wondering why he was found not guilty, who saw the video. And on this episode, we're here to tell you why. We're going to be calling Scott Savage from the Savage Training Group. He's an expert in law enforcement training. He's going to be a part of this conversation. He just had the privilege of speaking with that former deputy. So let's get him on the line. Kyle. Scott, are you there? I'm here. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. Thanks for uh, jumping on here with us. All right. My pleasure, guys. Hey, so we just told the viewers and everybody what we're going to be talking about in this breaking news that just came out out of San Bernardino County. And we know there's a lot of people out there that are wondering why, why this individual was found not guilty. And after you watch this video, which the viewers can view right now on the screen, how this person was not found guilty of attempting to essentially murder this police officer. And so you had the pleasure of uh, being able to actually speak to her um, behind the scenes a little bit. And we want to talk about and break this down kind of from start to finish from the beginning to the end of what happened and why the jurors decided to uh, go with a not guilty verdict on at least one of the charges. So Scott, um, tell everybody real quick about who you are, a little bit about your background uh, before we jump into this. Yeah, my name is Scott Savage. I've been a police officer in California for 24 years. Um, And when this is airing, I will have just uh, retired with 24 years in so that I can concentrate fully on uh, my law enforcement training company, which is called the Savage Training Group. Got about 10 instructors uh, that work for me and we travel around the U.S. trying to raise the bar of law enforcement training. It's an uphill battle, as you might imagine, but we present um, training courses all over the U.S. And uh, the things that I'm interested in is uh, tactics, the law, decision-making. I think all of those are going to come into play um, when we talk about this incident, which is unbelievable. It, it really is just unbelievable. When you look at this video and you hear what happened, uh, you're going to be shocked. And then um, I want to relate a little bit about my conversation with the deputy involved and uh, tell you some of the things that kind of happened behind the scenes and uh, share maybe a little bit of an analysis on how this occurred. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. Okay. So to paint a picture for you guys, and you guys are watching the video on the screen right now, the sheriff's department, the San Bernardino sheriff's department received a call from this mother who was uh, saying her son was out of control and needed assistance. So this deputy, Megan McCarthy at the time um, was an hour into her shift and she decides to go to this call for service 
by herself. And we'll touch on that a little bit later. But nonetheless, she goes to this call thinking she's going to be able to deescalate this situation. She arrives on scene. She's a solo deputy. As she gets on scene, the individual, Ari Young, opens the door and goes outside. And that's when the mother is at the threshold of the doorway. She's got a knife in her hand. And uh, the deputy, uh, Megan McCarthy, attempts to de-escalate the situation by attempting to contact Ari and let him know that she's there to help and what's going on. And that's kind of where things took a turn for the worse, because as she's going to detain or uh, put her hands on this individual and pat him down, he uh, actually threatens her and tells her that he's going to headbutt her. And I believe he tells her that he is going to kill her. She attempts to grab him, put hands on him, pat him down. He turns on her, physically assaults her. You guys can see in the video that he brutally attacks her. He's assaulting her in the face. He's punching her. Uh, They both go to the ground. She has her gun out. She's telling him, I'm going to shoot you. And ultimately, they're both now fighting and struggling over this gun. As a result of that, of fighting over this gun, uh, the gun goes off and you can see in the video that he, uh, around actually fires while both of them are fighting over this gun. And I believe as a result of that, because not, not either one of them had a good grasp of that firearm, uh, caused that firearm to then stovepipe, uh, which caused a jam in the gun. So Ari now has control over the firearm. The Deputy states that Ari points the firearm at her forehead and actually pulls the trigger. Now, due to the gun having a malfunction, which was the stovepipe, caused the gun not to go off, which enabled her to stand up. And you can see her running off kind of out of camera view from this video surveillance, possibly towards the neighbor's house. She states that she takes cover behind a bush and he actually fires the gun towards her direction or what looks like in the camera, that angle that we're watching fires the gun in her direction. Now, a lot of you are wondering why or how this individual will not be found not guilty for attempting to kill the police officer after he fires her own weapon towards him. And that's what we're going to be discussing. The end result of this already on the suspect was found guilty of negligent discharge of a firearm and the jury was unable to reach a verdict in three other charges that were brought against him. Resisting arrest, the removal of a weapon or the removal of the officer's weapon, and then battery on an officer. officer. Yeah, which were they were deadlocked on. And we're also going to talk about what that means and why the jury pool was deadlocked on those charges. So, Scott, you had the pleasure of talking to the deputy that was involved in this altercation. Uh, you got to have a offline conversation We've watched several news articles about this. Um, Obviously, we find this to be disgusting that an individual would, would, it it appears as if this individual could get away with something like this. And the precedent that it states is if you feel that a cop is doing something outside the scope of their duty, it's okay to fight back, steal their gun and shoot at them and get away with it. That's the precedent that this sets. So we want to explain to the viewer or the listener, why he was found not guilty. Yeah, I, I would agree with everything you just said, and that this is disgusting. And 
you know, we can all watch this video and you're, you're watching a, you're watching a murder unfold. And the only reason it wasn't a murder is that the gun jammed. And yep. if you're a person of faith, you think that maybe God, you know, um, had a hand in that, but for whatever reason it occurred, um, I certainly feel very sorry for this young officer, uh, Megan McCarthy, who's just has a few years on and she's trying to do the right thing. And oh, by the way, this wasn't a self-initiated call. This is a 911 call. She's going out there trying to do the right thing. Mom calls because son is, for whatever reason, out of control and she can't control him. So she decides to now interject the police into her family matter. Um, that is her doing, not ours, as, as the police. Mm-hmm. Megan responds out there and, um, you know, she said that while in route, mom stopped saying anything. And so the call was upgraded to a higher party call, meaning maybe mom is in duress or has been injured or can't say anything. And Megan, because of the sort of person she is, uh, being altruistic and having all the qualities that we want in a police officer decides, you know, I'm going to get there and I'm going to go in and interrupt whatever's going on or figure out what's going on in the house. And, um, you know, we'll talk about the wisdom of doing that, right? And I think Megan would even admit, you know, that that's that's probably not the right thing to do. We want to wait for a fill. We want to, um, you know, not go into something like this by ourselves. But setting that aside for a second, yep. um, you have to acknowledge the uh, the nobility, I guess I would say, in doing that. Um, she said, you know, she was under attack within a few seconds of being on scene. Mm-hmm under less than a minute of being on scene, she was under attack by this guy. And this guy uh, was able to, like you said, humble her and, you know, thank God she wasn't killed. Um, a couple of things come into play here. A couple of really interesting laws come into play. Cause I know just like you, when I saw this, I couldn't believe it. Although we are all cops in California and we're used to silly California things happening. Um, this one was even a stretch for us. Yeah, and I no doubt. think I, I think we've cracked the code on why this occurred. Yep. Um, but before, before we get to that, a couple of interesting things come into play for the viewers and maybe you can put it in the show notes. Really interesting. Uh, I say interesting in quotes, really interesting statement by the suspect, the bad guy, the attempted murderers, um, attorney. He gave a statement on a news thing, on a news uh, interview where he said, um, something along the lines of, yeah, the video looks bad if that's all you see, which I think is the understatement of the year. And then goes on to describe how, uh, you, you know, for the police to, uh, detain someone, you need something called reasonable suspicion. And if they don't have that, they can't just go up and grab people. And, and as a matter of fact, my client is just defending himself and it doesn't matter what he does after that. If, she doesn't isn't legally detaining him. Right. And while obviously maddening and disgusting to listen to this person speak like that, when you take a step back and just let, put your emotions aside for a second, is what he said true? That's the more important question because ours is not the domain to just sit here and go, this lawyer is a jerk, this suspect's a you know, right. that's not our domain to feel sorry for Megan. So that we do feel all those things. But ours is a domain of training and learning. So we have to look at something. And for the viewers, if you want to understand this, don't take my word for it. You don't even know me. Look it up yourself. Google the words Cal Crim, C-A-L-C-R-I-M, Cal Crim. 
what that's going to take you to is the California jury instruction. Now, whatever state you're in, you have something similar to this. I don't know what it looks like in your state because I don't work there. But in my state, Cal Crim is the jury instructions. Now, this is not the penal code. This is not the vehicle code. This is the actual text that they're going to read to the jury before the jury decides, did this person commit this crime or not? And for officers out there, if you want a little quick tactical tip, if you're writing a police report about a significant case, you may want to take a look at the jury instructions for that crime because that's what's going to be read to your jury right before they decide whether the guy did it or not. Right. And if you Google CalCrim 602, that's the one that will take you to attempted murder of a police officer, which is what this guy was charged with. They was ultimately found not guilty of. Remember, Mark said they, they found him not guilty of certain things. They hung on certain other things. They found him guilty of a lesser charge, negligent discharge of a firearm. Well, go to CalCrim 602. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourself. And look at number two, uh, number two, where it says, if you wanted to find the, guilt, the defendant guilty of attempted murder of a police officer, you must decide whether the people have proved the allegation that this person the crook, attempted to murder the police officer. To prove the allegation, you must, one, prove that this person is a police officer, which we can prove that Megan was a police officer. Yep. But two, that's where the, the rubber meets the road. When the defendant attempted the murder, the defendant knew or reasonably should have known that Megan was a police officer who was performing his or her duty. Hmm. Look further down there. It says if you're performing a duty and the duty is a question, you got to now go to CalCrim 2670, lawful performance of a peace officer. And now we're deciding, the jury has to decide, wait a minute, was she actually performing a lawful duty? And the jury would have been read something like this, this CalCrim jury instruction 2670. The people have the burden of proving got a reasonable doubt that Megan McCarthy was lawfully performing her duty as a peace officer. If the people have not met this burden, you, the jury, must find the defendant not guilty. That means if you can just, if the suspect, the defendant's lawyer, can do a good enough job of muddying the water, because remember, we just need to create reasonable doubt, not proof. Right. There's no proof. Right. If they can create reasonable doubt that you, as a police officer, were not performing a lawful duty, meaning you're performing something unlawfully or unreasonably, they will find this person not guilty. And that's what happened here. If you listen carefully to what the suspect's lawyer says, when you re, uh, watch his news um, report, he says she didn't have enough to detain him. Right. She didn't have reasonable suspicion. So when he proved that in court and the jury believed that, that, and just, Suspend your disbelief as a listener for a second that she doesn't have reasonable suspicion to detain this guy. I know she does, but just suspend your disbelief. If a lawyer can prove or suggest, confuse the jury and say she didn't have that, then this you can't charge this crime like resisting arrest because you weren't under arrest. Right. Okay. You weren't performing a lawful duty. Now, maybe a lesser crime and something like that, but that's what this guy was able to do in court. That's one of the main reasons this occurred. There's a, there's a few more, but I want to give you a chance to hop in here. Okay. So real quick, exactly. A lot of viewers or, or people that are watching this or are listening to this um, probably don't understand the difference between somebody that's detained and somebody that's under arrest, right? People like to associate, you know, as one, right? If, as if 
if you're detained, you're under arrest <clears throat> and, and, and that's not the case. And so let's just, let's peel that back a little bit, explain that to the, to the viewers and the listeners, because a lot of this case, I think hinged on the jurors believing that this individual was not detained or under arrest. Now in, in the state of California, uh, where this obviously occurred, you only need reasonable suspicion to detain somebody. Meaning if you believe and you can articulate that you believe somebody had committed or was about to commit a crime would give you the authority to merely detain somebody. Doesn't mean they're under arrest. You're not under arrest if you're detained. It just gives you that bit of a hook to identify people, figure out what's going on. You own that person at that given time. It does not mean that you are under arrest and you're going to be, you know, booked in jail or, or given a citation or whatever the case may be. So I think that's where the breakdown was, is getting people to understand that this deputy, uh, Megan McCarthy, had the legal authority to detain this individual. She's there for a lawful call for service. The mom is saying he's out of control. I believe he's breaking items in the house. She's armed herself with a knife, meaning she obviously is in fear for herself enough that she would arm herself against her own son uh, should he cause her physical harm. The deputy shows up on scene. He's trying to leave. She has every right to detain that individual, determine did a crime occur in that house prior to my arrival? She doesn't know. We don't know at that point, right? So I don't know if that was properly articulated on her behalf, uh, but or if the jury didn't understand what the difference may be between someone being detained and someone being placed under arrest. Was he under arrest at that given time? No, I would say I don't see how you could articulate placing him under arrest at that point in time arriving on scene, but most certainly had the right to detain that individual and start questioning what's going on and make sure that a crime didn't occur, make sure that he didn't assault the mother, cause vandalism to anything inside the house. Those are all the things that you would have to articulate to detain somebody. Yes, exactly. And, and if you're looking for a source, you know, there's certainly a lot of, um, uh, certainly a lot of cases that would articulate everything Kyle just said. And, and since we're in CalCrim, I'm staring at that, that same CalCrim 2670 for the California officers. You can certainly look that up. A, a peace officer may legally detain someone when they have specific facts known or apparent to the officer, lead him or her to suspect that the person to be detained has been, is, or is about to be involved in an activity related to a crime, and a reasonable officer who knew the same facts would have the same suspicion. Now, that's the cold, like, verbiage of the law. Right. And everything Kyle said is, is true. And we can look at that video and certainly speculate. It, you know, his, we can go back into history now and and from talking to Megan, from looking at the video, from listening to everything else that's out there, we can certainly paint a very accurate picture that yes, you 100% have enough to detain this person um, and investigate. And you can detain them long enough to dispel the fact that there was no crime committed here or develop probable cause to make the arrest. Right. However, was that explained in the, you know, when, when interviewed by the detectives, was that properly explained? Don't know. Um, what appears in the police report that articulates that? Don't know. What 
let's say it was explained properly to detectives and it was in the police report. What was said to the jury? Don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, was something said to the jury like, yeah, they had enough to detain. And then the defense attorney was able to attack that more successfully. Probably that seems like it definitely happened Were yeah. experts brought in to, if the officer wasn't able to, or didn't articulate it properly, did the district attorney's office bring in legal experts to articulate and paint that picture who would have very clearly said, under every circumstance possible, a reasonable officer, given the same training and experience, would have said, yes, absolutely, this person can be detained. We don't know. And sometimes, just for the, the, the viewers, again, you know, think about this. You're involved in an officer-involved shooting. You're shooting. Your actual skills of shooting might be awesome, right? You, you shoot very accurately. You're, you're great in a gunfight. You're all that. You might even um, have done great tactics and spoken on the radio correctly and you and rendered aid afterwards like your your skills are awesome. Is your knowledge as awesome as your skills? Right. Meaning, can you quote the laws that we're talking about? When questioned by a district attorney investigator, a homicide investigator, the defense attorney, are you able to articulate the laws with as much vigor and accuracy and freaking awesomeness as all of your skills, you know what I mean? And sometimes maybe that's what's missing. I don't know if that was, you know, that came to play in Megan's case or not, but speaking more globally, that I think is something we as an industry could probably work on. It's not, it's sexier to go to the range and shoot my new gun with a red dot optic Mm -hmm. than to sit and study case law, right? That's just me. It's a lot more fun to go shooting. However, maybe we need to spend an equal amount of time being able to articulate this stuff where we go, hey, come here. I want to tell you exactly why I did it. I'll even quote you the case law if you're interested. And I will, I can write the report quoting jury instructions. You know, I'd like to see our industry get that um, talented at being able to articulate why we did this stuff. Yeah. There's a lot, Scott, there's a lot of unknowns that you're mentioning and we don't, we're not privileged to some of that, but what you are privileged to is you actually spoke with Megan. What did she have to say about that? What is, what is, can you fill us on some of that conversation? Yeah. She said she was interviewed by uh, homicide detectives afterwards and she felt that she did paint the picture of, uh, yes, I did have enough um, to detain this person. Um, she painted the picture of this is a priority one call. You know, the, our, the reporting party stopped answering questions. When I got on scene, I see mom, she's got a knife, looks like she made it in defending herself. And here's suspect, he's approaching me in a hostile manner and even threatens her and, and tells her in most uncertain terms what he's going to do to her, which is, oh, by the way, another crime. Uh, one could even argue he was under arrest the moment he opened his mouth and threatened her, which is a violation of Penal Code 69. You can't threaten the police officer to dissuade them from doing their job. And then he immediately attacked her. So. Um, I asked her a lot of questions. Hey, did you say this? Did you say that? Did you inform him he was under arrest or detained? She said, no, you know, I, I, that's not really what I said to him. I said, hey, relax, kind of ask what's going on, and then went to go pat him down, which they don't pat down people that aren't detained. So there, there's another sort of clue that this guy was detained. Right. Um, and then she was immediately immediately attacked. And, and, you know, I asked her point blank, why go in by yourself, right? Because I think everyone would agree you know, yeah. hindsight being 2020, let, let's not do that. And I'm hoping that's what the viewers take away. Yeah. And she said, I didn't want to, I had to figure out what was in the house and I didn't want, you know, whatever was occurring to, to go on. And I wanted to interrupt that, which is noble 
and is a makes you a good person if you do that stuff, right? Because you care about people and you're willing to risk your own safety. But uh, I'm going to recommend you definitely don't do that. And I, I'm going to I'm going to recommend you rush in when it's an active shooter or there is confirmed imminent peril to a third party, like a hostage rescue where the hostages are dying, a la Uvalde, or something like that, or a rape in progress. Uh, confirmed imminent peril to a third party. But right. if we don't have active shooter imminent peril, I want you to pull over. I want you to wait for your fill officer. I want you to get a third officer there if you can. Let's get out on foot. Let's, uh, you know, sneak up to the house. Let's get a tactical advantage um, so often. But, you know, I don't think that's what she was probably taught in the academy. I think in the academy you're being taught, hey, we're, you know, the world's problem solvers. Let's get in there, handle business. Let's, quote, clear the board. How many times have you heard that? Yeah. Got to clear this call. Got to get to the next thing. Um, and you can see how a little tiny welfare check, unknown circumstances calls turned into a, you know, just milliseconds away from a, a dead police officer. Yeah, let's t- let's let's just talk about that for one second. And, and I don't want to sit here and point fingers at any one, you know, person on, you know, bad officer safety or whatever, you know, whether it was training in the academy, FTO, everyone kind of plays a role in the response that officers are taking to calls for service, whether it is the academy and the training that's provided there or your FTO and your, your training officer and what they're teaching you. And then to roll out on patrol as a solo deputy. And I think she was only deputy for what, two years. Mm-hmm. Am yeah, I right? I so, yeah. Okay. So as a young cop, um, all of that kind of comes into account, right? When you get these calls and, and, and here's the thing, man, like in, in reality, that shit doesn't click with you until something bad has really happened to you. And I tell guys this all the time, right? Because I see guys doing it all the time. They go to calls by themselves. They do stuff by themselves. And when you ask them why the explanation to me is never good enough because you have almost unlimited resources available to you, unless you're out in some super rural County where you just don't have those things. But I would still argue that there is at least somebody else available to help you out. And quite frankly, if you have to wait an hour, 40 minutes for a fill, then just do it. Unless you, like you said, Scott, have to go in there. Uh, but what's the rush? But going back to my original point, nothing, I, I, I find that people or cops do these things because they haven't encountered something bad, right? Meaning when they tell somebody to do something nine out of 10 times, or, or for, in their case, 10 out of 10 times, the person has done it and they've complied with them. Nobody has shown them that force or going against what they're telling them to do. And nothing bad has actually happened to them. So they subconsciously feel like I can go to this call. I'll be okay. I'm just going to tell them to knock it off or I'm going to tell one of the parties to leave and they're going to do it because I'm the cop and that's how it's been my whole career. Right? So unfortunately cops get sucked into that and and until something like this bad occurs, clicks with the officer like, okay, I'm not doing that again. Or, uh, you know, there are people out there in the world that, you know, it's the 1% um, that are going to go against what you tell them to do. And they're going to bring violence to you. So sometimes that might be somebody resisting and they're trying to actively get away from you. And other times there are people that will actually want to cause harm to you. And if not, kill, want to kill you. So it, it's, it's hard to get that across to, to young cops who haven't experienced that, um, that I've come across in my career and that, that I see, and I'm guilty of it. Mark, I'm sure you're guilty of, yeah. of the same thing, Scott, I guarantee you're guilty of the same thing in your early days. Um, sure. so the whole point of this would just be 
it's just, it's a, it's a learning tool to watch something like this, to show people, Hey, look, you, you have these other resources available to you. Wait for your resources to get there, to help you out, to resolve this situation. Um, and, and unfortunately I think in, in this scenario, had that occurred, I think had another deputy been there with her, this, this whole thing probably wouldn't have unfolded the way that it did. I have no doubt that the suspect probably would have behaved in the same manner that he behaved with her, uh, just due to his behavior. Uh, but at least with a partner on scene, uh, you're able to manage that and deal with it differently than being by yourself and being overpowered by this individual, um, and him taking your weapon. So I just wanted to touch on that real quick. I think there's a learning lesson there and it's not to, uh, again, not to point fingers, but if we, I don't want to overlook that, um, because I think there's a high value to that, that, and, and we're all look on this podcast and our training, Scott, you do training. Like we're just, we're, we're here to make people better. And there's videos out there that we can watch and learn from. And unfortunately there's bad things that happen to, to other cops and other people uh, for us to learn from. Um, but that's what it is. It's, it's, it's learning. So you touched on it. I, I wanted to make sure that we didn't skip over that. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of value to that. Uh, you know, and just waiting for your cover. Don't try to be the one individual that you think you're going to be the hero and, and solve the day or solve somebody else's problem. Um, you might be and and honestly, nine out of 10 times, you probably will, but that one time, uh, it, it, it might get you. So, um, what well, I think well, is good, Scott. I think it is important too. And I'm not sure if we mentioned at the beginning, but this case is almost, I and mean, this came out in four years. So 2019. Yeah. 2019. It's almost four years. Laws have changed. She probably went to the Academy in 2016. Yeah. So a lot of the training and stuff was a little different. There's been a lot more evolution, but what there you, has. you bring up a lot of really good points of, of waiting for your cover. And that's probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for the guys listening, why, why do I have a feeling that there's, you know, certain people, certain officers, deputies, rural deputies right now that are going, yeah, that sounds great, guys, but, you know, my fill unit is X yeah. minutes away or there's only me. Mm-hmm. And that may be the case. And that may not be something you can control. But like was said, you probably could get someone there if you really had to. Mm-hmm. And if the only thing that's keeping you from having a, a fill officer, from having a, you know, buddy with you, is that, well, I don't want to make a big deal about it. You know, I don't want to bother him. He's quote eating or he's, you know, on a break. Well, screw that. (laughs) I don't, I have never had a meal on duty that was so good that I couldn't be interrupted from to go fill with another officer. I would rather be there. And, and here's the thing. Don't let a personnel issue dictate your tactics. If it's, if you can't do it because you need two people to do it safely, then don't do it. Yeah. You know, do, do not go. Yeah. Handle this by phone, do something else, throw a rock through the window, put a drone up. I don't know what you have, do something, mm-hmm. but don't be like, well, I know this is unsafe and I don't have enough personnel to handle this. Just like, you know, Mark on a SWAT mission, he's not going to be like, well, you know, it would take 12 guys to do this hostage rescue, but we only have one. Yeah. So, <laughs> or it would take 12 dudes to do a search warrant, but we only have two guys on duty. Let's just do it with two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that would be stupid. And, and another just concept you, you got to be ready for what the suspect's going to do. The suspect gets a vote in every encounter. And I don't care if you're Megan or you're me, you're, you're some BJJ dude, you're some Swatology guy. Are you ready 
to handle whatever the suspect's vote is because he gets a vote, right? He gets to choose to comply, fight, freeze, posture. I mean, the, there's about eight, eight or so different things he could choose. Just like when he sees the police, um, I choose to comply. No, actually, I choose to attack. Yeah. So are you ready for those things? And and what can we do to give ourselves a little advantage? We're already going to a place where now he knows where we're going to come. We're going to park down the street and we're going to have to get close to his house. So he knows we're coming. Okay. That's not great. So what can we do to regain a little bit of a tactical advantage? I'm not saying you have to low crawl up to every call, right? but just rolling in and parking a house down and getting out and hoping for the best. Those aren't tactics. That's just like Academy land stuff. And it, it's going to get cops killed. Yeah. It's rolling the dice. Hey, um, let's talk about the jury selection. Let's get into the, why we feel that this individual was found not guilty. You did some research on it. We talked about it. Fill the listeners in on this new law that's rolled out that quite frankly, a lot of us were unaware of. Um, yeah, which we, I was totally unaware of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think this is the real reason. So we gave you a little bit, right? We talked about jury instructions. We talked about what what was articulated, what wasn't. We don't know. We talked about what the Crook's lawyer was able to get past this jury. But when Megan informed me, and she really educated me about this, I had no idea. And I'm a little embarrassed because this law has been on the books for a few years. And I think the uh, legislators were pretty crafty in how they got this one in. And don't tune out if you're not a California cop, because unfortunately what happens in California tends to like a virus spread mm-hmm. across the country. I'm sorry that that happens, but it's true. Yep. So pay very close attention to this. Cause why do I have a feel that this is coming to your state soon? If it's not already. Um, th- yeah, exactly. Cause they're going to be like, well, you know, work in California. Hey guys, we're going to tell you it's not working at all. Yeah. Um, so this one is called the California assembly bill 3070 3070. So if you look at California Assembly Bill 3070, you'll see it went into effect um, in 2020. Now, the name of the bill is something along the lines of uh, preventing racial discrimination in jury pools. And this, as is very characteristic with California legislators, we name it one thing, Mm -hmm. but it really means another. So to the average voter, they go, well, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And they vote for it, like prison realignment and racial justice acts and all those types of stuff. Meanwhile, there's a lot of unintended consequences. So if you're a California voter, um, thanks a lot uh, for this. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, we don't, it's not going good. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look up California assembly bill, uh, 3070, you can pull it up, just Google it. California assembly bill 3070. You'll see, um, it goes on to basically, it has a couple of editorial paragraphs that say, you know, historically people of color have been excluded from juries for uh, discriminatory reasons. And we think that's wrong. And we think that, um, you know, lawyers on either side shouldn't be able to exclude people of color for, for juries if they're doing so based on sex, national origin, gender identity, ethnicity, race, those types of stuff, right? And I think so far everyone would agree with that. That sounds yeah. pretty good. Then they say it's the intent of this legislature that the act, this law that I'm going to talk to you about, be broadly construed to further the purpose of eliminating the use of group stereotypes and discrimination, whether based on conscious or unconscious bias, in the exercise of peremptory challenges, meaning 
uh, we're going to get rid of that jury. Give me another one. Right. So remember that word. They want to eliminate group stereotypes and discriminations. Okay. That is very important because apparently that doesn't apply to police officers. Yep. Because if you look way down in the bottom of this law, buried after all the stuff that talks about, um, you know, not being biased against people for religion or sex or race or any of that stuff, way down at the bottom, it says that if any of the following things are true, you cannot, I repeat, cannot get rid of this juror. One, express the distrust of or having a negative experience with law enforcement or the criminal legal system. Okay. Can't exclude that person. Two, that juror expresses a belief that law enforcement officers engage in racial profiling or the criminal laws have been enforced in a discriminatory manner. Stop right there. So if you just simply believe, you, it is your value, your belief that law enforcement officers do in fact engage in racial profiling, so what that that's a stereotype? Yeah. So what that that is discriminatory against me? So what? You yeah. can't be excluded. Yeah. And Megan shared with me that they, they, her lawyers interviewed, you know, the jury after the verdicts to try to figure out what happened. And, and, uh, I don't want to talk out of turn and share something that maybe Megan would prefer. I don't say, but let's just say when they interviewed the jury, um, many of those jury uh, members expressed their, uh, displeasure with law enforcement. Right. Well, I'll, I'll just leave it like that. Yeah. And you can kind of read between the lines on that. So, where perhaps um, you were thinking that the jury should be made up of people who can um, make a rational decision uh, without being biased. Perhaps people on that jury um, were in fact biased against the police. And when they saw a police officer who was uh, being murdered in front of their eyes on video, um, they said, yeah, but I just don't think she, you know, she was really doing her job. It doesn't sound like it was a lawful thing she was doing. And so, so what this guy was punching her in the face and, um, you know, and held a gun over and tried to shoot her. I, yeah, I think he was just, yeah, I think I'll believe what the lawyers say. He was just kind of shooting in general, not shooting at her. Yeah. Um, when I read this, this assembly bill after, uh, Megan educated me about it, assembly bill 3070, I couldn't believe it. It is, um, the wording is unbelievable and, and how they can with a straight face say in the earlier part of the law that they don't believe there should be stereotyping yet they can include jurors who have a, in fact, a stereotype about the police that they racially profile people. Um, it, it would be laughable if it wasn't so disgusting. Yeah. That's hard to even listen to. Yeah. It's hard to, huh. it's, it's hard to swallow that. I mean, you have, you, you have a, a group of individuals that are hinging a big decision on this, person's innocent or guilt and their act of violence towards a police officer, what is their act of violence going to be towards a normal citizen? And really, like we mentioned in the beginning, you're setting a, a are we setting now a precedence that if you citizen believe that the cop is acting outside the scope of their duty, i.e. not having the legal authority to detain you, are you, are we saying it's okay to fight back? Are we, are we saying that it's okay to go to the extent of grabbing a police officer's gun and shooting at them? and saying that it's self-defense. I mean, this case could have a potentially huge ripple effect throughout the entire country just on that verdict alone. Taking away all the fact that he wasn't found guilty on all the other charges and they were deadlocked on that. The fact that this individual assaulted her, stole her gun, pointed the gun at her point blank range, fired it, 
luckily didn't go off because of a stovepipe, and then proceeded to shoot at her as she runs away to say that somebody's not guilty of attempted murder on a police officer for that. I don't see how you can watch that video, read what happened, and be, and be okay with that. I just... You even have the judge saying R. Young had the right to defend himself at any means necessary, including shooting at her. It's crazy. It's absolutely nutty. And I am seriously afraid that that is going to be the new precedent that people think now, well, you don't have the authority. And how often does that happen? How often do you, a lot, how often do you stop somebody? They don't know. And you're, or they're saying you can't just to, to mess with you or to, to be argumentative, to test you. Right. So now are we saying, well, because now this person thinks that I am now going to fight back. Now you're going to cause more officers to have to use force on people because they are justified in legally detaining you. And if you're going to fight against that, they're going to have to use force to affect that attention, which is now going to ultimately result in an arrest. And so, and 3070, what Scott was just talking about the jury instructions, if they don't like the police and are biased about that and are openly saying that they're not being removed. No, they're totally justified to be on that jury. So that, that, suspect could be on video committing an absolute crime, but they're keeping jury members that are biased biased against that are going to say not guilty before any evidence is even heard. That's scary. I think every police officer needs to be absolutely cautious, use their tactics, wait for cover every opportunity that you have. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's just what, that's just what we've come down to now in, in, in law enforcement is, and it's more important now than, than ever. Um, so Scott, thank you for being a part of this conversation, for calling in, for talking with Megan and reaching out to her. I think this is a really valuable episode. Uh, it's my pleasure. You know, she she went through a lot. Unfortunately, she medically retired after this incident, which is pretty understandable. A young cop goes through something right. like this. Right. Um, tragic. Uh, the justice system let her down. The voters of California have let her down. Um, our legislators should be ashamed of themselves. And, uh, I think you know, let, it's really up for, uh, I think, they, I, I think they let the whole law enforcement community down. Well, not just that the, yeah. the normal yeah. citizens, because right. you want to protect citizens from criminals Evil. and those criminals are, or could be potentially found not guilty based on bias because they don't like the police, yeah. let alone the charges and crimes that they've committed. This is wild. Yeah, you know, and unfortunately, the, the voters in California uh, are often led astray with these these types of laws. And there's, you know, right. it's almost it's a little tricky how certain legislators like to get law. And there's certain names that kind of keep coming up and they, they write these sort of tricky laws. And then they they ask us, the police, to operationalize these things and do these almost impossible tasks. And then they they reward people. Um, <laughs> they reward, you know, criminal defendants like this who attempt to murder a police officer and you know some of the other stuff that Megan Shirley kind of behind the scenes stuff really led me to believe that these jurors even were misled and lied to so I'm not really going to cast judgment on them say they're all bad people because they don't like the police that's okay you know you're totally allowed not to like the cops but unfortunately I think they were lied to in that courtroom they were tricked yeah. and uh, that's pretty unfortunate and so for us you know for police trainers or folks who are still working as police officers man we're going to have to be even more our own advocates, know the law better than anybody else does, have excellent tactics. Like you said, wait for a fill, 
do everything by the book. Uh, let's ask ourselves, should we be going into this? Is there another way of handling it? And unfortunately to the citizens, yeah, that's going to result in some delays uh, with us getting into you and getting in to help you because we just have to be a little bit more careful than we were in the past. Yeah. Well, when, when we ask ourselves the why behind this, I think, uh, I think that answers it. I, I think we'll never truly understand the why, right? We're not in yeah. each other's jury's brains, but when we sit back and we talk to all the people involved and read about this, I think we've narrowed it down and, uh, there's new laws out there and, and certain jurors that are going to be a part of these jury panels, uh, that just, that just are going to have their biases and their opinions about the cops and especially nowadays. And I think that's as a direct result of him being found not guilty on this case. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. our opinion. I mean, Scott, uh, thanks for joining us. Happy retirement. Dude, I know. Congratulations, there. man. That's, that is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's hey, Scott. I made it. You did make it. <laughs> well, you got a couple days left. We're very proud of you. Um, <laughs> we're, we're glad to call you a friend and uh, be able to share your knowledge with everybody on the show. We love it. We love having your instructors on. We're going to have another one on here uh, in a couple weeks. Tell everybody where they can find you, your website, your social media. Um, go ahead and plug all that so someone knows where to go if they want to sign up for a class. Social media, we're on Instagram, Status Training Group. Um, we get a little uh, sweatshirt and stuff away in there. You can check all that out. Um, our website is savagetraininggroup.com. Uh, that's where we have all of our training courses listed. So if you like some of the stuff you heard on here and you like a little bit more, um, just maybe a little bit better training than, than some of the other stuff that, that's out there, we spend a lot of time researching, tweaking, making courses, uh, entertaining, educating, and, and just the best that they can be. So um, hop on either an online course or come see us in person. Uh, if you want to host a course, you can go on there as well. Um, and then I just want to say to you guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the stuff you're doing uh, to better our industry and uh, kind of help cops be successful because this is an almost impossible job that folks are doing now. So glad to glad to call you guys friends and be on the same team with you guys. Absolutely. And we, we totally vouch for your training program. We, we say it all the time on the show. We've got your hat here sitting front and center on the table. So we encourage you guys, honestly, if you're, if you're active duty in law enforcement, seriously, go to savagetraininggroup.com, get signed up for one of his classes. They're all over the country. We've met a handful of the instructors. Can't say enough good things about you guys. Uh, We truly believe in what you, what you're doing. So um, we'll end it on that. Um, I don't even think we'll hang up and do a little ending. Let's just, uh, do you have anything else to add, Mark? Nope, that's it. Tell the viewers <laughs> to be safe and be smart. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Always guys. Speed. So that joins us, uh, or that wraps it up for that episode. Um, hope you got uh, something out of it. It's uh, sad to see, and I'm sad to, to have to see that that happened to her, to, to the deputy, and uh, I'm glad she's okay. Um, so with that said, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Be safe and be smart, and we'll catch you guys later. See you next time.